Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Casey. And I'm Samantha. And we're the hosts of True Crime Storytime, a podcast for all things true crime. We will be bringing you fortnightly episodes covering everything from murder and mysteries, disappearances, theft and fraud, abductions and kidnappings, and more importantly, trying to take a lesson away from each case because every story has a message. Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. It's Erica, host of Martinis and the Macabre here. Just wanted to let you guys know before we get started tonight, it will be a solo episode with me. Um, We were going to do a big Halloween episode for you guys, but um, full disclosure, it's just, it's been a really crappy week. Uh, I had an adverse reaction to a medication that I was on and I've been very sick. Um, Our car got broken into, had to have the cops out. It's just been kind of a rough week. So um, since we got to this so late, we decided we'll make it a mini so that way you guys at least have some content out there. It may not be the best um, because I know Billy's the funny one. I'm the talker. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to try and make it entertaining for you guys. Um, So tonight, in honor of Halloween, just in time for you guys to dig through your kids' goodies and make sure there's no razor blades Uh, We're going to be covering Candyman, not the Candyman like the movie or the Candyman like Dean Coral. We're going to be covering Ronald Clark O'Brien, the original Candyman, otherwise known as the man who killed Halloween. Ronald Clark O'Brien killed his eight-year-old son, Timothy, on Halloween in 1974 using potassium cyanide-laced pixie sticks in order to claim his life insurance. Ronald lived in Deer Park, Texas, with his wife, Diane, and two children, Timothy and his sister, Elizabeth. He was an optician at Texas State Optical in Houston and was a deacon at the Second Baptist Church, where he also sang in the choir and was in charge of the local bus program. On October 31st of 1974, Ronald and a neighbor, Jim Bates, took their four kids trick-or-treating in a Pasadena neighborhood. 
There was no answer at one house, and the children went on to the next house while O'Brien stayed behind. He met back up with them and revealed five 21-inch long pixie sticks, which he split amongst the kids, each getting one. The fifth one ended up being given to a local 10-year-old that Ronald recognized from his church. Before bed, Ronald's son Timothy asked to eat the candy. He complained of it tasting bitter, and Ronald gave him some Kool-Aid to rinse away the taste. Timothy immediately complained of stomach pain and ran to the bathroom. He began vomiting and convulsing, and died about an hour after arriving at the hospital, according to court documents. The autopsy revealed a fatal dose of potassium cyanide, enough to have killed two full-grown adults, found in both his stomach contents and his blood. The other children did not eat the pixie sticks, and the candy was recovered by police and tested. All were found to have been opened with the top two inches refilled with cyanide powder, and they were all resealed with a staple. One of the 11-year-old boys that had been given one was found sleeping in bed clutching his pixie stick. Thankfully, he had not been strong enough to get the staple out of it that O'Brien had used to reseal it. It sparked fear in the community. Parents in Deer Park and surrounding areas returned candy from trick-or-treating to police, believing it was laced with poison. O'Brien initially said that he couldn't recall which house the candy had come from, but this was suspicious because the families had only gone trick-or-treating on two streets because it had been raining that night. Police learned that none of the houses on those two streets were handing out pixie sticks that night. Police walked the neighborhood with Ronald three times, and he took them to the house where the occupant hadn't answered the door. He stated that the owner didn't turn on the lights, but did crack the door open and handed him five pixie sticks. He claimed to have only seen a hairy man's arm. His neighbor, Jim Bates, stated he stayed on the sidewalk while Ronald would take the kids up to the houses. He recalled that the house in question had a wall that concealed the front door, so he couldn't see what happened. But he said the kids left and went to the next house, and after a few seconds later, Ronald emerged with the five pixie sticks, claiming that the homeowner had answered the door, and the children ran off after he gave them the five pixie sticks. The home in question was owned by Courtney McIvan, who was an air traffic controller at Hobby Airport. His alibi of not returning home until 11 p.m. that night was confirmed by 200 people, and he was ruled out as a suspect. Police learned Ronald was over $100,000 in debt. He had held 21 jobs in the prior 10 years and was close to being fired from his current job on suspicion of theft. His car was about to be repossessed, he was in default on several bank loans, and he had already lost his house. Ronald had taken out life insurance policies on his children months before Timothy's death. In January of 1974, he took out $10,000 policies on both Timothy and Elizabeth. One month before the death, he took out another $20,000 on the kids. And just days before Halloween, he took out yet another $20,000 on both children. The total on both was about $60,000. His wife maintained she did not know about the policies. On the day immediately after Timothy's death, Ronald called the insurance company asking about collecting on the policies, and the police found out. They also learned that he had visited a chemical supply store in Houston to buy cyanide shortly before Halloween, but had left without a purchase when he found out the smallest amount available was five pounds worth. And a knife of O'Brien's was found in his home that had traces of plastic and powdered candy on it. O'Brien was arrested on November 5th of 1974 
and indicted for one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. He pled not guilty to all counts and maintained his innocence. Police suspected he killed his son for the insurance money and had hoped to do the same with his daughter, the other children merely being cover-ups to throw the authorities off. A chemist acquainted with O'Brien testified that in the summer of 1973, Ronald contacted him asking about cyanide, how much would be fatal. A chemical supply salesman testified that O'Brien had asked him how to go about purchasing cyanide. Friends and co-workers testified that in the months before Timothy's death, Ronald showed, quote, unusual interest in cyanide and spoke about how much it would take to kill a person. His own sister-in-law testified that on the day of the funeral, he talked about using the life insurance money to take a long vacation and about items he would buy. On June 3rd of 1975, after only 46 minutes of deliberation, he was found guilty, and it only took 71 minutes to sentence him to death. His wife filed for divorce shortly after. She eventually remarried, and her new husband adopted her daughter, Elizabeth. O'Brien was confined to Huntsville Unit in Huntsville, Texas. It was reported by a former chaplain at the prison that Ronald was shunned and despised by other death row inmates, calling him, quote, absolutely friendless. He was executed on the fourth execution date that had been set for him after three stays, the original date being set for October 31st of 1982. The execution proceeded on March 31st of 1984 by lethal injection. He continued to maintain his innocence up to the time of his death. O'Brien's last statement read, What is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. This execution is one of those wrongs, yet doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Therefore, I would forgive all who have taken part in any way in my death. Also, to anyone I have offended in any way during my 39 years, I pray and ask your forgiveness, just as I forgive anyone who offended me in any way. And I pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us respectively as human beings. To my loved ones, I extend my undying love. To those close to me, know in your hearts I love you one and all. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. Ronald C. O'Brien P.S. During my time here, I have been treated well by all TDC personnel. Thanks for letting us know that, Ronald, because that's really important. His final words on this earth are, Oh yeah, they treated me good here. Not anywhere in that statement does he mention his son, who is dead, because he killed him. Doesn't mention him at all. He says he forgives the people that are executing him but doesn't ask for forgiveness for killing his son, his own flesh and blood. Ronald Clark O'Brien was pronounced dead at 12.48 a.m. on March 31st of 1984. A crowd of 300 outside of the execution cheered and yelled, Trick or treat! It was never discovered where he actually obtained the cyanide. For decades now, people have believed that a depraved stranger could taint Halloween candy given out to trick-or-treaters. There's actually never been any other case of this besides Ronald O'Brien's, and his was specific and done to a family member and others in his trick-or-treating group. So, for all of you out there sifting through that Halloween candy right now, you probably don't need to. 
because of this fuck, his child is dead. And parents, for decades now, have been mortified at the thought that something could be placed in their children's Halloween candy. All because of this one man. The Candy Man. That concludes this episode. I know it's a very short one. Short and sweet. We've actually had this research since before we even started the podcast and we were holding out for Halloween. And like I said, I'm very sorry that we had to do it this way. Just with time constrictions and everything, we just couldn't get this out any other way. And I didn't want to leave you guys without anything. Um, So that's it for this one. We will have another full-length episode for you guys out at the regular scheduled time. You know, barring nothing insane happens this week. Because it's been a lot of shit the past week. Hope you guys have a very safe and happy Halloween. And as always, we have to thank Phaser765 for the music and artwork you've heard and seen this episode. You can find him on SoundCloud and YouTube. And you can donate to his Patreon. I have recently updated the website, which is www.martinisinthemacabre.com. There is now a music page that has a full playable uh, list of all of his songs, along with some of his artwork that you can check out and a link to his Patreon on there. So go visit the website, martinisinthemacabre.com. You'll also find a full catalog selection of all of our episodes. I try and update it as soon as I put the episode out. So it's current. You just click on the picture. It'll redirect you to our uh, host page where that actual episode is. So don't worry about clicking on it or anything. It is our host page. Full catalog listing. There's also a bio page. You can learn a little bit about us. And there's also a contact page. Feel free to contact us with questions, comments, suggestions for topics, anything you can think of. Hey, just, hey guys, fuck you. We don't really care. Send it to us. You can also email us directly at martinisinthemacabre at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at martinisinthemacabre and Twitter at martini underscore macabre. Feel free to like, follow, friend us personally through the pages. You can also visit our fan base page on Facebook called Friends Who Like Martinis in the Macabre. When I post something on one page, I try and post it to both. So if you're on both, you might catch it twice, but hey, it's better than not catching it at all. We have some really cool laid-back people on there. Feel free to engage, interact, post whatever you like. We don't make you go through a moderator or an admin to approve your post or whatever. Um, So post whatever you want. If it's ridiculous, we'll let you know. But so far, everybody has been really cool about it. Um, Billy wanted me to make sure to tell you guys that, you know, he's sorry about the episode this week. And he wants you guys to have a very good Halloween, as do I. If anyone has any ideas or suggestions for maybe a Thanksgiving thing topic, I know they're, the biggest case involving Thanksgiving is the guy that shot the two kids coming into his house, but that's kind of a more well-known one. If anyone has any ideas, it doesn't even have to be crime-related. If it's just something creepy, macabre, we're down. Uh, give us some suggestions for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that's about it for this week. I'm sure you guys are probably bored to tears now, and you may be sad that this wasn't a full episode. Hey, you got something. There's that. We really appreciate you all listening, subscribing, if you have the time, 
go on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. If there's an option to rate and review, please do that. We also ask that you share us. You know, we put a link up on Facebook or Twitter. Share that, retweet it, let other people know about us. We have been getting a lot of new Twitter followers, other podcasts and stuff. And um, hopefully you'll check out True Crime Storytime. And that's about it. So happy Halloween, everybody. And stay tuned because your full-length episodes will resume next week. Stay safe. Bye. Hey, sweetie. What? Um, that beeping you've been hearing? Yeah. All day? Mm-hmm. It's the carbon monoxide alarm. Oh, that's not good. Is it not? No, it shouldn't be beeping. I, I, I uh, took the batteries out. Why? The beeping was giving me a headache. I don't think it was, I was the beeping. It, it, gave me, it, was, it gave me a headache. I got nauseous. I just, I, I, all day I've been really wanting to take a nap. That really explains a lot. You should probably just curl up and take a nap. Sounds good. It'll be a good nap too because it, the, the beeping's done. I took care of it. We'll never have to hear the beeps ever again? It was a 9 volt, so it's cool. All right. Happy Halloween! Halloween.